all taste so much better when you're afraid. Hurry, Bev, kill it! Kill <laughs> me? <laughs> oh, you are priceless, brat. I am eternal child. I am the eater of worlds and of children. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Welcome. Oh, gosh. Welcome. (sighs) Yeah. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Hi. What's up? It's frightening February, which means we get to spend this whole month just scaring the crap out of Adam. Yay. See? See? See, I knew it. We should get some balloons. Looks like the cat's finally out of the bag. (laughs) And this week, we decided to expose him to one of the most famous stories in the horror genre, Stephen King's It. And because we're suckers for nostalgia, we're focusing on the 1990 two-part miniseries based on the novel. And before you ask, everybody... (laughs) No, I will not be watching the new one. Probably Aww. ever. Aw, you should. But you already know what happens. You know what now. happens yeah. already. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't look way more horrifying in the new one <laughs> and would be a lot more effective on me. So mm. I think there are some really cool moments yeah. in It Chapter One that yeah. Adam would really like. Yes. But there are also also some very scary moments that yeah. Adam would not like. So Yeah. In 1986, the unofficial king of horror, (laughs) Stephen King, of course, unleashed what would become one of his quintessential stories. It was a saga about a group of outcasts that bands together to survive and then later take down a horrifying monster that feasts on children. The book's title, It, played on one of the key ingredients to a truly terrifying villain, not knowing what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Only a couple of years later, ABC was considering making a made-for-TV film based on the novel. The task was ambitious, to say the least, since the source material is over a thousand pages long. The network also faced the challenge of towing the line between being a faithful adaptation and getting past the TV censors. So let's head into the town of Derry, Maine, and learn more about the 1990 miniseries based on Stephen King's novel. It. Yeah! Woo! Woo! Dairy! Dairy, Maine! The scariest town in the United States. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Truly. Adam, what did you think? Truly. Because we had Adam watch it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this one wasn't going to be so bad because I had heard, you know, it's, it's still in the 90s. It's got mm-hmm. a little bit of camp to it. Yeah. It was yeah. on TV, so it couldn't get that bad. You mm-hmm. know, they could only get so much past censors. Yeah. And things like that. And I know Tim Curry was in it. And I yeah. just like, you know, this one I think will be fine. And it w- and it turned out to be fine. So, yeah, I would put this one relatively low on the scare meter. Right. Like uh, out of 10, maybe like five. Yeah. Like right down the middle. Because nice. there's, some, there's some freaky moments for sure. Right. Some yeah. of the imagery is pretty creepy still. Yeah. But for the most part, 
you know, not too bad. This was all of our first times, right? Yeah. Watching yep. the miniseries. Oh, you guys hadn't seen it. Nope, never oh, seen it. I didn't it. realize no. we, yeah. saw, we saw the 2017 I'd seen the 2017 version, yeah, but yeah. not this version. I had seen clips of this, Yeah, I was actually afraid to watch it uh, growing up because mm-hmm. my, my mm-hmm. brothers watched it and the cover Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you would go into Blockbuster and you would see this cover. And it was time. Oh, my God. The plain white cover with Pennywise and the monster hand. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. And see, my dad is a clown. And I growing up, clowns were like actually a really nice. Yeah. Fun. Good thing for me, which I think is a very different experience Uh, than most people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, especially after this movie. Yeah. (laughs) And so, to me, I was like, what the heck could that be about? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. What is that? And, you know, people that haven't seen it, that are too afraid of clowns yeah, or, like, you yeah. know, whatever, even before seeing that, I think they, I have to tell a lot of people, like, no, this character is not It's not a, a clown. clown. <laughs> like, it portrays itself as a clown. Yes. But it's something else. Like, it, right. <laughs> the concept is that he's taking a form, or it's taking a form, that is disarming. Yeah. It's supposed to draw you in, yep. make you feel good. And that, especially in the 1950s, mm-hmm. when the part one takes place in the books, yeah. you know, at that point in time, you know, clowns weren't. Yeah. Some people were afraid of them, sure, but mm-hmm. it wasn't collectively everyone's afraid of clowns. Yeah. Right. And so at that point, it made sense for kids to see a clown and be like, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I'll come talk to you. Yeah. You're, you're safe. Yeah. I'll, I'll go down in the sewer. <laughs> right. But it's so easy yep. to shift flip. from being mm-hmm. something so innocent yeah. to something terrifying in yeah. just a moment, just one change. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really enjoyed this. I did too. Yeah. And yeah. Tim Curry did an amazing job. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, un- unparalleled. <laughs> like, I mean, just yeah. like, you just, perfect choice. They did so well on the casting for him. And yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was fun in, in yeah. that way. Cause, cause yeah. his, his character was like, you know, he's the bad guy, but right. it's just like, wow, you can't help but, but you can't yeah. Help get, yeah. enjoy his scenes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm hmm. So for anyone out there who hasn't seen this version of It, here's a summary for you. There's something evil plaguing the town of Derry, Maine. It resurfaces every 27 years, or 30 years in the miniseries, terrorizing children and causing unfathomable grief. One summer, a group of kids called the Losers Club uses their bond of friendship to take down the monster, sometimes known as Pennywise the Clown. They make a pact that if it ever comes back, they will also return to kill it for good. Sure enough, it does return three decades later, and so must the Losers Club. This group of adults must face their internal demons and repress childhood memories in order to stop this monster for good. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> it knows what scares you, they say. <laughs> yeah. It knows what scares <laughs> you. <laughs> man, I just, this is one of those really great ensemble stories, and yeah. I that's yeah. what I yeah. love about it. Yeah. I love that. And what's cool about it is there's seven of them, which yeah. is like, that's a lot. So Unusually often, big. Yeah, mm-hmm. so often it's three, five, you know, but yeah. seven. Seven is, yeah. Yeah, 
and I, it's just it's so complex and I, I just I love the group and each mm-hmm. person brings something really special mm-hmm. to the group so let's talk about the making of this special miniseries yeah. oh yeah in the late 1980s producers Frank Konigsberg and Larry Sinitsky approached screenwriter Lawrence D. Cohen about writing a script for It Cohen had a lot of experience bringing Stephen King stories to the screen as he was the screenwriter for Carrie and the Tommyknockers Nice. Cohen accepted the challenge and teamed up with legendary director George Romero to create an epic 8 to 10 hour version of the book. The two collaborated on episode treatments, hoping that ABC would allow an 8 episode miniseries. But ABC said no. They agreed to produce 4 hours and George Romero left the project. Aww. A moment of silence for what yeah. could have, what might have been. Oh gosh. Later on, writer Larry Cohen said that he believed it would have been as huge as Game of Thrones had they been allowed to make it. Wow. He would write up his treatment. He would send it to George. George would add notes, change stuff, send it back to him. You know, wow. and, and George Romero and Stephen King were buddies. So, it, you know, he was clearly really familiar with the source material. Yeah. And I cannot express how long this book is. Yeah, <laughs> it's hefty. I, yeah, I remember it always being one that people would bring up when we were younger. Yeah, it's like, oh man, some of the longest books, and mm-hmm. people would always mention it. Yes, it's a hefty book. It's filled with a lot of lore. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, and so much of that is completely lost right, in the right. miniseries and in the new movies because it's just they can't. They just can't cram it all in there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the actors actually hadn't read the book yeah. beforehand, oh, wow. so a lot of them had to like quickly like read it, and they were like, "Yeah, it took me at least a day and a half to like read the whole thing." Yeah, they, like they read it. It would like, take me so much more. Yeah, <laughs> a I mean, day they, and a half. Yeah. Well, because they were re- like they were. It was you know, all they, they were doing. Yeah, they were getting yeah. ready for a part, so they that's yeah. what they had to do. So they yeah. they took a whole day and a half to do it. Jeez, but, that's um, crazy. John Ritter, though, he was a fan of Stephen King, so he would always go and. And uh, nice. get it, get the books right. immediately. When director Tommy Lee Wallace was asked to take on the project, he hadn't read the book. At this point, the first half of the miniseries had been completed by Larry Cohen, and Wallace decided to accept the job after reading the screenplay. Cohen's seven-act first episode really captured the tone of the story. Wallace thought it was the most unique thing ever written for TV. Each act focused on one of the main characters and their personal experience with Pennywise, a form often taken by the monster. However, part two of the series wasn't finished. Cohen had to leave the project to work on another film, and Wallace was left to rework the ending of the story himself. It was clear that the childhood part of the story, part one, was more meaningful and interesting, and that's why Cohen and Wallace decided to intersperse moments with the adult actors in the childhood scenes. Yeah, that's, I guess, supposedly one of the really controversial yeah. or, or polarizing mm-hmm. things about yeah. this version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How it's kind of the, the, the characters are children and adults kind of simultaneously yeah. right yeah. these they're it's almost like the the adults are adults now from the start mm-hmm. and they're just all of the kid scenes are like flashbacks essentially right. and i guess some people think that it's super odd yeah, yeah yeah i think it's because so many people love 
love the childhood part. Right. Yeah. That's the part that's nostalgic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the part that, you know, people really grab onto and connect yeah. to because it, it's it's all that's where they, you know, they make the friendships yeah. and they They're, really first mm-hmm. face really first face the monster. Yeah. And I, I think that people had a difficult time with, you know, because the miniseries actually begins in the quote unquote current time, nineteen ninety. Right. Yeah. Right. And a child gets eaten. Yep. And then they kind of have these flashbacks, right? Because, yep. you know, now we've got Mike, who is the only one of the group who stayed in Dairy Main mm-hmm. while the others left. They needed one person to stay behind because mm-hmm. when you leave Dairy, you actually forget. Yeah. Yeah. You actually forget about it. You forget about all of it. Yep. So uh, he had to stay. And so then now he's calling all of yeah. the yeah. members of the group to come back. Right. And they did it this way, which I think it was a really interesting way to frame it. Yeah. But I and I, and I do actually really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't find it to be super jarring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I totally understand why right, why people right. don't people, like it because yeah. yeah, it I think they liked that part 1 was just like a complete story. Right. Yeah. You could kind of, you could stop after part 1 if you wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd never truly know. I think also having the adult portions interspersed in mm-hmm. kind of removed the tension from the children's scenes because right, it showed right. you that all of the children make it and that they're yeah. all uh, like they all make it to adulthood. That's mm-hmm. a good point. So I think that that also kind of relieves that tension and it makes yeah. it doesn't the kids feel least, less center stage yeah. and more like, oh, you, like you said, a, a flashback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because one on one. One. One by one, you see that they survive because yes. they they do kind of you know take it one adult character at a time. They really do. Wallace was drawn to the fact that the story involved a team of people. He had an affinity for films that assembled teams of characters. He also liked the root of the story that it wasn't just shocking horror fiction, but that it was about childhood abuse and trauma and how we want to return and understand it better as adults. The series was filmed at the Bridge Studios in Vancouver, Canada. Filming there was much cheaper than in California, and the location was an abandoned shipyard. (laughs) Although studios had been filming there since the mid-80s, the popularity of it helped put the location on the map. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Once filming began, it became clear that there wasn't a lot of room in the budget. Production had to stretch costs wherever possible. Because of this, they had to get creative during the scenes that required special effects. At times, this worked in the series' favor, as less can often mean more in horror. For example, for many viewers, the scariest form of the monster was a clown with sharp teeth. Yeah. Yep. Simple, easy. Mm -hmm. Just like one costume. Yeah. That's so interesting how that works. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Yeah. Right? Why is it that the scariest things are the things that look similar (laughs) to what we already know? Yeah, but with a little, a little change, yeah, a little just tweak. slightly more the, sinister. The the uncanny valley, man, mm-hmm. is yep. a real effect. Yeah. It affects a lot of people. It's just it's so close to real, but not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we yep. just, it's weird. Fantasy Two was the special effects team for the miniseries. In the final face-off, we see its final form: a large spider-esque creature. The team had, quote, champagne ideas on a beer budget. (laughs) It took 12 weeks to build the spider. It was interspersed with a stop-motion animated version during the final battle. 
Special effects artist Brenton Baker was inside the monster. When it fell to its side, at the end, he fell too, and he was covered in bruises. Oh, poor guy. Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. So, look, can we talk about that for a second? Because a lot of people are really let down by the spider. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, are, uh, they are pretty let down by the spider. Yeah. Um, I will also say that the special effects team said that the spider could do a lot more than it do- actually does in this film. Mm. But, like... You know, when you're filming stuff, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, we need this shot. We want this shot, all that. So yeah. they didn't actually get to show off the full range <laughs> of what, of what this spider could do. So if you yeah. want to see more of that, you know, there's a documentary. Um, it's called Pennywise mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's yeah. really good documentary. It's really good. But yeah, people were disappointed that it was a spider. Yeah. How did you feel about that, Adam? I I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So I, but, but I was a little bit like confused. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, not because he was a big spider, but because it felt so. Out of nowhere. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. like, very anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, oh, oh, that's, oh, I guess that's him. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. All Dude, right. that's the thing. It's like once you reveal what it really is, it's like, eh, yeah. really? Yeah. This was what? causing all this trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, how yeah. was it doing any of that? Yeah. I think it's so funny because this is such a common criticism mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's just so much context missing. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah. I, I feel sure. like that's I, it. I believe in the book it is also a spider. Yes, it is. It is the final form. Yeah, but like, it is. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably a lot different reading it versus watching it. <laughs> I think a massive spider yeah. in real life yeah. would be very scary yeah Mm -hmm. not just because spiders are scary but also because that thing could just step on you yeah true you know and and you're dead i mean (laughs) like it it makes sense in the fact that like because bill bill denborough's wife gets like kind of uh mesmerized slash kidnapped Mm -hmm. by him Mm -hmm. and it was almost like he was using a a venom but like it was like transferred through his eyes kind of Mm -hmm. like it's it's the um the deadlights deadlights yeah Yeah. the deadlights which was an interesting thing versus like an actual venom to make paralyzer he just kind of like looked at her and was like, yeah. And there you go. <laughs> and then yeah. she was like out of it and he was able to wrap her up and in a cobweb like yeah. a spider. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wonder, why why would he just keep all those by like would he ever feast on them later? A character does essentially what a spider does. Okay. It wraps the people up in its web. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily eat people, it eats their life force. Yes. Okay. But torturing them mm-hmm. making them scared making them in pain yeah first makes them taste better yeah which is and why that, the kids that's why he mutilates the kids yeah and sometimes he eats them too yeah but for fun mm-hmm. yeah so those bodies like, mm-hmm. he doesn't need those no they're basically the, just like husks they're trophies yeah there you go yeah trophies Jeez. You know, because like spiders, for example, a spider doesn't eat the fly. That's right, true. It right. sucks the blood out and then yeah. leaves it there. Yeah. That's, That's true. true. That is true. So it's it's a, it's a more good, like that. Yeah. That yeah. makes total sense now. Yeah. Yeah. The most memorable scenes are in the beginning when we see two children get eaten by the monster. First is the little girl that signifies the return of it. The second is Georgia Denborough. Both scenes were filmed using rain machines. Tim Curry as Pennywise did not act opposite the little girl in her scene because the production knew it would scare her too much. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. That was nice of them. <laughs> it to was nice take of them. That into consideration. They said that she did see him. Yeah. On set, and she yep. and it did it it terrified did. her. Yeah. She she said that yeah. she never ended up watching the movie because she just couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't blame her. Yeah. In Georgie's scene, Tim Curry spoke into a nearby manhole so that the young actor playing Georgie could hear his voice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so he's not actually in, he's when yeah, when at you least see him talking yeah. that grate is real that he's talking into like that's a real thing. Yeah, but like Tim Curry's not actually in the sewer, Down obviously. There, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the set designers built the sewer so that Tim Curry could stand and look out of the opening. So that's just a set that yeah. he's looking at. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> they built nice. A separate, yeah. The production first considered stage and screen actor Harvey Firestein to play the part of the heinous monster Pennywise the Dancing Clown. That would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, the role went to Tim Curry, an actor known for his intensity and charm. The casting directors had seen Curry in Rocky Horror Picture Show and felt that he might have a knack for horror. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Curry had just finished a film where he had to wear heavy prosthetics, and he insisted on not wearing too much makeup for it. Tommy Lee Wallace agreed and struck a deal with Curry that allowed him to wear basic clown makeup in most of his scenes. The only addition was a forehead extension that elongated his face. What they did with Tim Curry as Pennywise was really, really smart. Yeah. They took the basic ideas of what a clown looks like, mm -hmm. and they just, they made it just not right. Like, yep. just a little... Yep. A little, um, little tweak. Yeah. yeah. Clowns before, mm -hmm. you know, they often wore the, the prosthetic, the elongated... Like oh, cone on the yeah. head, um, like Lou Jacobs, he was the most famous clown in the world at one point, and he he was one of those. Yeah, and uh, they did that, and they put red hair on him. Yeah, which is very common for clowns. Uh huh. But they separated the hair just a little too much. You know, we talk a little bit about his nose. They made his nose turn up like Lon Chaney. Yeah, like they were kind of trying to like they Bring made him a clown. Yeah. They made him look like a normal clown, but then they gave him a little bit of a monster twist. Yes, which that was after many drawings and many yeah. many thoughts about what they wanted to do. Right, Curry himself had never found clowns to be threatening, but the fear of clowns was becoming more and more common in the late 1980s, especially after the 1970s serial killings of John Wayne Gacy. Gacy was a serial murderer that targeted young men and boys. He also happened to be a clown performer. The general fear and discomfort of clowns seemed to reach its peak in the 1980s, and Stephen King really tapped into it with it. In a way, clowns represent innocence, as they are more often performers for children. The idea of something so seemingly harmless attacking unsuspecting children was horrifying. Yeah. It's, I mean, still is. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's kind of why the fear of clowns has persisted. Mm -hmm. Not not necessarily because of it. I mean, it certainly helped, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's just a thing aside from it that, you know, I, I know a lot of people who really don't like clowns anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Besides the common uneasiness that some people feel around clowns, there are also those that suffer from chorophobia, the fear of clowns. Although Pennywise is the main antagonist of the story, Henry Bowers leaves a lasting impression as the intimidating childhood bully. Bowers is the ultimate representation of how mankind is its own breed of monster. 
His cruelty stems from the abuse that he has endured his entire life. Although this is hardly explored in the miniseries. Yeah. yeah he just seems like an asshole for yeah. asshole's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like one small p- part where they like really allude to it. Yeah. Where he gets in trouble with the teacher and she's like, oh. she's basically like, don't let, don't make me tell your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not a good situation at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I think, one of the things that is a, lo- a little bit lacking about the miniseries is that yeah. we sure. don't know why he is the way he is. Yeah. Because, yeah, he does just kind of seem... Mm-hmm. Like I, he just wants to mess with people. Yeah. And he's just a bully because. Yeah. 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 I also just don't see him as, uh, as big of a threat. I think part of it is that he never like wins. Yeah. You never yeah. see him like really beat somebody up. That's yeah. true. It always gets stopped short. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. never really, it doesn't feel like he's done any damage, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Bowers is so much worse. Yeah. Than he is in this miniseries. <laughs> Bowers was played by Jared Blankard, who also appeared in the 90s show Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. He also, like, after every take um, where he had to say something racially awful, mm. uh, he apologized. Oh, I... So, like, he was just awesome because, like, even though it was yeah. a part, he still was like, sure. I'm so sorry. The children cast to play the Losers Club were mostly new to acting. Casting directors were looking for three main characteristics in the kids. Humor, being able to handle painful scenes, and the ability to act scared. The children and their adult counterparts would spend time together and try to match up mannerisms so that the audience could see how the children and adults were the same people. Yeah. Yeah, they did it very purposefully after they all got the phone call. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The phone call to come back and they know they all know what's happening. They yep. they all immediately go back to their little tell yep. that they did as a kid. Like yep. pulling on their ear or biting their fingernails, fingernails. or yeah. something of that sort. Exactly. Pulling on the hair. Yep. Just that thing they did as a kid that they showed mm-hmm. them doing as a kid yep. all the time. And then yep. they, oh, the adults doing it. They're yep. right, right no. back. Watching yep. them revert. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The inhaler. Yeah. And, uh, yep. The yeah. acting was so good in this, honestly. Yeah. I really, I thought that everyone did a good job. I, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. The kids' scenes and the adult scenes were filmed almost simultaneously, with the kids filming mostly during the day and the adults in the evening. The young and older versions of the Losers Club would spend time together and bonded over playing the same characters. Jonathan Brandis played the young Bill Denborough. Brandis was already a TV actor when he got the part of Bill, and he went on to become a TV and film star throughout the 80s and 90s. Brandis was famous for productions like Sequest, DSV, and the film Sidekicks. They talked about how he had plans of like becoming a, I believe, a director. Like so, Aww. he was like, you know, planning to do all that, but then tragically, yeah, he died yeah. by suicide at age twenty-seven. Yeah. Oh man, it was yeah, heartbreaking for a lot of people. Yeah, Marlon Taylor played Mike Hanlon, age twelve. Taylor later appeared on the TV show Sister Sister, where he got <laughs> to act with Tim Reed, his former It co-star. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon Crane played Ben Hanscom. Age 12, Crane went on to appear in The Wonder Years and also had a cameo in the 2019 version of It, Chapter 2. Yeah. Hey. That's very cool. 
Seth Green played the young Richie Tozier. He has also had a successful film and TV career, appearing in films like The Italian Job and Can't Hardly Wait. I feel like for us, he's the most famous kid. Yes. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh my gosh, Seth yeah. Green. Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Emily Perkins played Beverly Marsh, age 12. She has appeared in series like Supernatural and When Calls the Heart. Adam Farazel played Eddie Kasprak, age 12. He appeared in a few other made-for-TV movies in the early 90s. And finally, Ben Heller played Stanley Uris, age 12. Although he went on to become a producer, the 1990-it miniseries is one of his only acting roles. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Who's your favorite? So we just went down the oh, list of kids. Oh, man. I know. You're going to make me pay. See, here's the thing. I never felt like I really had a favorite. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I just realized it because, like, every time I watch it, I'm just so heartbroken when Eddie dies. Yeah. But I'm like, he's yeah. my favorite. He's my favorite one. Yeah. I, I think I, I just. Yeah. There's something about him that I just. I love. I mm. don't know what it is yeah but when he's a kid especially because he acts so grown up like you know as a kid he's just so cute but yeah i think i really like ben ben okay because he's quietly like yeah in love with bev the whole time you know but he totally just lets her think that it's bill who wrote that note right she he's just kind of there for her there was absolutely no reason for her to think that bill wrote the note yeah she wanted Bill to have written she, the note. Exactly. That was why she thought he wrote the yes. note. Because mm-hmm. exactly. that's what she wanted. And mm-hmm. so he just yeah. let it go. He yep. didn't... He was all... Yeah. yeah. Whatever. You know, it's it's funny because I, I standing here, I have a hard time picking one. <laughs> but as you were talking, I was like, shoot, maybe my favorite might be Beverly. Oh. Because I kind of too. like her, her position in the group as mm-hmm. like... Yeah. The... I don't know the overseer, yeah. just kind of this this yeah she is cut it out kind of attitude yeah. where she's like she's able like the to adult. Ha- yeah. yeah she she handles yeah. these six boys <laughs> so flawlessly even though they even though they rag on her sometimes yeah, yeah. she's just like yeah. whatever here's a perfect comeback and I'm yeah. like you know I, know, yeah, I like that because they were like oh we're building this dam uh, mm-hmm. sorry if that's weird she's like oh. I've got an idea or whatever, you know, she's like right in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 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 exactly. I say Eddie, but also I think it's such Mike is just such a close Uh, second for me. Yeah. Um, I really, I just, you know, it's really (laughs) tough. It's really tough. Eddie, Mike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really good group of kids. So it's hard to really pick one. Many of the adult actors cast in it had worked together before, except for Tim Reed and Richard Thomas who played Mike Hanlon and Bill Denborough, respectively. The actors made it a point to spend time together outside of work so that they could form a stronger bond on screen. Richard Thomas is possibly best known as John Boy from The Waltons, while Tim Reed is known for shows like Sister, Sister and WKRP in Cincinnati. John Ritter, known for shows like Three's Company and Eight Simple Rules, played the adult Ben Hanscom. Ritter was a huge Stephen King fan, and his favorite book by King was The Stand. Yay. (laughs) Ritter insisted the series include a scene where he explains his weight loss. The director didn't think it was necessary, but the other actors backed him up, 
and the scene was added using dialogue almost directly lifted from the book. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And he did it pretty fast. Like he talks yeah. through it really fast. He just explains like I I joined track and yeah. I you know. Yeah, and the coach made fun of me and I was mm-hmm. like screw mm-hmm. you. I'm going to, you know, yeah. blah blah blah. But yeah, so, and they wanted him, honestly, to do it even faster, but he was like, no, if I do it any faster, you're not even going to hear it. <laughs> understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Ritter also wished that the series included Maturin, the giant turtle arch nemesis of Pennywise. Unfortunately, it wasn't included. In the 2017 film version of It, Maturin is briefly referenced, but never explained. Because of this, much of the lore behind Pennywise and how the Losers Club is able to defeat him is known only by the fans of the book. Ah, so that's the info uh, that we're missing. Yeah, because <laughs> truly, I think they find the spider. Yeah, and then they just kind of like, they, you know, they kind of wiggle around and try to figure out what to do about it. Yeah, right. right. And, and he sprays they, they, some they, stuff. <laughs> they get stuck in its light, right? Yeah. yeah. Bev shoots it with silver to break the trance for a second. Yeah. And then they just like punch it. <laughs> they just Pull punch and kick it. <laughs> yeah. Like what? It felt a little strange. Yeah. That it didn't require more to like finally do it, you know? Yeah. No, that that's a very common criticism. And I, mm. I yeah, I, I think it's just because we're missing context. Yeah. yeah. Director Tommy Lee Wallace encouraged the actors to bring pieces from their own lives to the characters. Dennis Christopher, who played the adult Eddie Kasprak, brought his own vitamin bottles as props for his character. And he said he he's still like in the commentary he was like i still pretty much take a whole bunch of vitamins and everything so oh yeah yeah (laughs) he's like that's just me (laughs) harry anderson played the wisecracking richard tozier anderson was possibly best known for playing judge harry stone on night court oh that's cool okay that's right i can picture him now in that role Yeah. yeah okay the actor that had the least screen time out of the seven was richard mazer he played Stanley Uris, who seemed to be the most traumatized, even in adulthood, by what happened in Derry. Mazer had been on Broadway, but you may recognize him as either Clark from the 1982's The Thing, or as the dad in Disney's Mr. Boogity. Holy oh cow. <laughs> it was so fun to see him in this. Yeah. Um, the scene that he wanted to get through quickly was when he had to be crammed into a small fridge. He had a fake neck on, and the rack was cut with enough room for him to slide his head in. Set design then kept putting drinks and things around his head. (laughs) It's essentially the trick of, like, the table when your head's on a platter or whatever underneath the table. Yeah. Well, Mikey, you did it. You got us all back here. I guess it's because it's the only way you'd ever see us. Since you're so lame, you'd never leave this town. I finally made it, guys. I'm in the deadlights now. And you You know know what? what? It's true what they say. We all float down here, and you will too. Annette O'Toole identified with her part as Beverly Marsh because she recognized that women and girls were held to a different standard during that time. The movie briefly touches on it, but her father was judging her and punishing her for her emotional and sexual maturity. Annette O'Toole is known for Superman 3 from 1983 as Lana Lang and Elaine in the movie 48 Hours. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Beverly, especially young Beverly, really does show this really important uh, through line in, yeah. in the movie. Right. You know, where, you know, first of all, the cycle of abuse, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's being abused by her dad. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, how the people in the town really aren't looking out for the kids. Yeah, they aren't. And aren't really speaking up for the kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because there's that, there's that scene where Henry Bowers... And his gang has cornered Bev. Yeah. And outside of her house, and they're holding her against yep. the fence. And are it's implied, mm-hmm. you know, that they're going to do something very bad to her. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a neighbor across the street looks at her, and they lock eyes, and the neighbor looks concerned, mm-hmm. but he just walks away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does and, nothing and walks away. Yeah. The groups of child and adult actors played well off each other in their respective scenes. Richard Thomas, who played Bill, said that his favorite scene was the one that takes place in a Chinese restaurant. This is the first scene where the audience sees the adult characters together. It was filmed on location in a real restaurant and took three days to complete. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. It's a lot of Chinese food. It sure is. Each of the actors had their chance to improvise as the camera panned around the table to get a shot of each of them. It was consistently a challenge to include all of the cast in a single shot as the camera was formatted for TV and not widescreen. Puppeteers hid beneath the table to manipulate the fortune cookies that come to life in the scene. The director used a handheld camera to emphasize the panic in the movement as all the adults discover that their childhood fears were still a reality. I love this scene, too. And this scene's in the new movie also. Yep. It's such an important part because they do all come together for the first time, Mm -hmm. and you see them play off each other as Mm -hmm. adults for the first time, and and they're happy. Yeah. They're so happy to see each other. They're just relieved to see each yeah. other. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. you know, they're like we've never loved anybody as much as, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And so they are so happy to be there. And, and this is just like this little moment mm-hmm. of sunshine yeah. before yep. they have to basically deal mm-hmm. yeah. with what's going on, <laughs> right? And I do. I love that. I love this part. Yeah, it, it's nice because when they first arrive, when each of them first arrive in Derry, yeah, they have a little run in with Pennywise, and mm-hmm. he does something creepy for them. Yeah, and then you know it's like, oh no, he's he's just messing with them already. He's back. Yeah, he's, he's got the upper hand, right? Yeah. But then you have this scene where they finally meet, and they're like, they're like all relieved, and they just yeah. enjoy the evening for once. Yeah. yeah. Man, I don't know about you guys, but this is the first time since I got here that I feel good. I mean, I feel halfway safe. Come on. Let's have a couple of drinks, huh? She wants some good food, have a couple of chucks, and let's just leave the wolf out the door, huh? Spoken like a real loser, Richie. <laughs> hey, hey, to the Losers Club. All right. To the Losers, the losers, losers Club. club. Hey. Despite cutting several scenes in the film, broadcast standards of ABC rejected the miniseries. But producer Jim Green addressed the head of the department and asked for notes on how to get the series approved. He received so many notes, it would have been impossible to get the series approved without completely gutting the story. Green argued that since they had purchased a Stephen King novel, they should expect a Stephen King novel. And this is what the series is. Broadcast standards ultimately agreed and approved the series without requiring any cuts. 
Good. I, I love that argument because it's like, we just, okay, we just <laughs> made, we made this. Yeah. You, you said it was okay. Yeah. We, we made it. <laughs> and now you won't air it? One deleted scene included an officer carrying Georgie's body to the Denborough's front door. The scene was likely cut because they were already pushing boundaries for TV viewership. The scene was no doubt devastating to watch. I can't imagine this. Yeah. I'm glad they cut it. For sure. Yep. The, first yep. of all, no no cop would ever do that. Right, yeah. right. No. Yeah. No, they would leave the body where it was, right. first of all. <laughs> no, first yeah, of all, what? Then, yeah, just take it to the morgue <laughs> yeah, or so. Like, it's a crime scene. Yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> you, wouldn't, no. you wouldn't just pick up the body and carry it. <laughs> Another deleted scene was the moment when the Losers Club became, quote, blood brothers. This scene was removed because of the AIDS epidemic ABC didn't want to encourage children to transfer blood. So the composer for this miniseries was Richard Bellis. Bellis grew up about the same time as Stephen King and felt connected with the childhood that is portrayed. He felt that the main focus was that the kids were in jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the thing I think that makes it so hard to watch yeah. is that uh, the kids are in trouble. Yep. Yeah, I have a hard time with that. Especially in the beginning with the little girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough for me. She yeah. was so close to being able to go inside. Yeah. yeah. So close. He won the Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition for a miniseries or a special in 1991. Yay. Sweet. Yeah, this is an Emmy-winning miniseries. Dang. All right. There we go. Nice. Okay. Yeah, the music okay. was really good. We see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about reception. How do you guys think this was received? I think you guys know. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of know. Medium. Medium. Yeah. Lukewarm. Lu- yeah, lukewarm. <laughs> Ken Tucker from Entertainment Weekly in 1990 gave it a B-, saying, In addition to its slow pace, I found the ending a bit of a letdown. Unimaginative special effects animate the monster in its final incarnation. But the cast is terrific. Curry's cackle is chilling. And King's usual buried theme about the pain adults inflict on children without even realizing it is always worth pondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overall, not a bad review. Yeah. But like, you know, could have been better. It could have been better, but I think that, honestly, I think it was better than B-. I wouldn't give it a B-. Yeah. Yep. Knowing the source material. Yep. I would say that they did a pretty good job. A good job of yeah, uh, right, condensing right. that. They really weren't uh, really weren't given a chance. I mean, they only had four hours. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, if they had been able to do the full yeah eight to ten hours that they wanted, yeah. I mean, it could yeah. still be looked back on as one of the best right yeah. TV adaptations ever made. I think so. Yep. It also saw a resurgence of popularity as the series went to VHS. The iconic white cover with Tim Curry and his monster hand scarred any child that saw it in Blockbuster. Absolutely. Yeah. It was scary looking. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember vividly always just when you were not <laughs> sure what you wanted, mm-hmm. you yep. just walk you up just and down in. each aisle just like, yeah, what looks good? Yeah. yeah. And I, I would still walk down the scary movie aisle because yeah. most of the time I the cover didn't really jump out or... Yeah. I had no yeah. reason to be afraid of just the cover. I knew yeah. I wasn't going to pick anything from this aisle, <laughs> yeah. but, but I was just walking down every aisle, right? Yeah. But but it mm-hmm. would always yeah. it stood be out. the one that stood out. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. 
The fact that the series aired on TV meant that it was suitable for older kids to watch. For the first time, the story was accessible for younger audiences, and for many, it was their introduction to Stephen King. Yeah. Yep. You could actually watch this, you know, you could be 12, 13, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah. actually watch it on TV because it aired on primetime and it got past the censors. Yeah. You know, and, yep. you know, if, if any movie is not suitable for TV, it gets edited, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. since this was made for TV, you know, everything was... It was all there. ...had been cleared, even yeah. though reluctantly, but yeah, we cleared. it was. Mm -hmm. And it was scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time... Yeah. It, it probably did scar a lot of it kids. It affected for sure. a lot of the kids. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Which is partly why... There's so much nostalgia for it now, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think it's, a lot of people rewatch. I read so many reviews where people said, it's not as scary as you think. You know? <laughs> right, Oh, right. watch this scene. It's so cheesy. Uh, watch, oh, the effects are so, you know? Yeah. And it's like, when you were a kid, you saw it through kids' it's, eyes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so different. It didn't matter to you that it didn't look like perfect or yeah. real, right. you know? Yeah, camp to it. Yeah, yeah. like exactly. it, that didn't matter then when you nope. watched it. Yeah. And yeah, I think... If people will watch it now and go, oh, <laughs> I was afraid of that. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, but I still think that it does hold that, you know, that horror, that sense of horror. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now we've here we've got a couple of fun facts as our last little bit here. Uh, John Ritter took home one of the cards from the deck that had Pennywise's face on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? It yes. Had... During the bicycle scene. Yes. In the bicycle scene, yeah, they're going to put cards in the bike to make it sound like a motorcycle. Yes, yeah. which is such a cool, <laughs> yes. real thing that yep. works. Yes. I, I love that. I, I remember when I did it as a kid, mm, I yeah. was blown away by yeah. how well it worked. How it actually worked. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it was cool. perfect. Yeah. And then, but then, of course, the deck, they look at it yep. and Pennywise's mm. face is on it. Yep. yep. I would keep one too. Creepy music that appears. For yeah. sure. If there was any like simple prop to keep, that would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nobody's going to miss that. No. Yes. <laughs> and if you guys remember the scene uh, where Beverly goes to her old house. Right? Yeah. Do you remember this? The old lady, Mrs. Kirsch, was a nod to director Irvin Kirshner, who was nicknamed Kirsch. Oh. That's yeah. Cool. Supposedly, yeah. Stephen uh. King visited. A uh, a set when they were working on some Star Wars stuff. Yeah, and oh. Irvin Kershner was also there, and they, oh, you know, talked it up. Oh, and they were real friendly, so it was kind of a nice nod. So he added the name oh. in there. Yeah. That's that cool? so cool. Yeah, yeah. The old lady is living in Bev's apartment. Yeah. Yep. Well, she thinks anyway. Yeah, she yeah. thinks that's yeah. that. Happened. Honestly, is I think Pennywise's most elaborate trick. Yeah. Because it, it's so. Yeah. It's like a long and burn. Even the subtlety scare. of when she first approaches and she sees the name Marsh. Mm -hmm. And then once she rings the bell and stuff and the woman answers and she's like, oh, no, you know, your father passed away three years ago or however many, whatever. Yeah. And she looks back and, and it's, it's now Kirsch yeah. instead of Marsh. Yeah. And it's just like those little mind tricks where it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Oh. And it's just a little tip. Yeah. You know, it's like she yeah. really should not go inside. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, ooh. Speaking of Beverly. Her horrible boyfriend was originally <laughs> going to be a minor villain 
like he is in the book in part two. Similar oh. similar to yeah. the bully, you like know, yeah. Yeah, coming back later and being more trouble to worry about mm. in, oh, along with geez. Pennywise. Yeah. Her her horrible Adult boyfriend. Adult boyfriend was also yeah. going to be one. Yeah, who really mirrors her dad and the way that her yeah. dad treated her. What a horrible yeah. person. All right. So anything else we want to say quickly before we wrap this up? Yeah. I, I would say that if you have any hangups on Stephen King stories or, or horror stories in this style or this vein, that this one might get you through... Yeah. The mm-hmm. gate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's looking back, you know, it being from the 90s, watching it now, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely easier to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there obviously are some creepy bits and some some scary imagery and things like yeah. that. Some serious themes, but, but none of it really hits as hard as it could right yeah yeah so so i i did enjoy it mm-hmm. yeah and um you know i i i've never been somebody to dislike just good stories even if they are scary and stephen king is kind of like a master at it yeah, yeah. right so i uh, totally understand that and so I, if any other scaredy cats out there listening, <laughs> you know, give it a chance. You could, you could probably make it through this one. Yeah, yeah. And then just watch something happy after. Right. Yeah, it was an episode <laughs> of SpongeBob or something. Yeah. yeah. And maybe like you know, you could watch the new one on mute or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's an interesting way to do the it. music and, and sounds make it a lot yes. scarier. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Um. I really, I really liked watching this because I felt like it kind of completed a puzzle from my childhood. Mm. My brothers watched it. They read the books. They they read the book. It feels <laughs> like it's multiple books. Yeah. They I read, mean, yeah. it makes, you know, thinking about how they have to keep making it in two parts. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. Yeah, my brothers read the book and they watched the miniseries and it was something I was very much excluded from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they would read parts of it to me, and I'd remember just to scare me and freak me out. Yeah. Because they love doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, getting to watch it was like, okay, I feel I get to be part of the group again, <laughs> you know? Yay. I love the nostalgia of it, and I love, you know, the dynamic of the kids. I thought the acting yeah. was really well done. I don't mind cheesy effects, but I think that, you know, part one is so well done. And I just think the story of the friendship is so beautiful in it. The concept that, you know, they are strong together and they're safe together is really, it's really nice. Yeah, just like us. Yes, (laughs) exactly. I really do love this story. I love how layered the story is. I think it's really cool just... You know, the message of it is so clear. Yeah. You know, and I think the thing about Stephen King that makes it much more digestible to people, even scaredy cats, (laughs) which is what Adam Adam says, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat too, you know. (laughs) But, you know, the thing that makes it more digestible is that you watch it and you have to remember that the real monsters are humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Almost all the time. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's usually what's going on, you know, and this is kind of one of those things where, you know, the monster 
really emphasizes how adults just aren't there for kids. Yep. And at least they weren't at this time. Yeah. And this is the 80s. Yep. This is the time of milk cartons, you know, and like when people started really being afraid about yep. losing kids and yep. just really emphasize that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. which is really cool. It's a really good I, thing about horror. I feel like thinking back about history now, because at first for a long time, it was you were um, afraid of losing a kid in childbirth or just after yeah. childbirth and stuff. But as, you know, technology and medicine got better and better, it was less worrisome about all that stuff it was a lot more likely that your children would live mm -hmm. after a certain point and so then yeah i feel like then it became yeah <laughs> it slowly eventually became like yeah. oh my gosh now i'm afraid of losing my child right. yeah. in their childhood due to you know awful people yeah and being whatever. afraid of the loss just the loss of the way things were yeah mm -hmm mourning the way things used to be yeah right. you know parents were letting their kids roam around mm -hmm. and walk to school and, yeah. and those kinds of things and then suddenly yep. you know it's like oh your child's not safe anymore yeah. and that's a horrible feeling yeah you know and it's like well i was safe what happened yeah why is the world changing why are things different and that's just that's you know one of those things it's really scary yeah mm-hmm it's really weird to kind of see it still portrayed mm -hmm. in that old way because yeah. even at the beginning, I'm like, why is this little girl riding her trike yep. yeah. by herself? Or mm -hmm. that, I mean, but that's not even when they were kids. I guess that's like present day. That's, yeah, 1990. But yeah. E yep. even, even still in uh, when Georgie's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. go sail this boat by myself in the rain. Yeah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Stephen King's It is for some the quintessential horror novel. It's notoriously long, with a complex story that's incredibly difficult to condense into just four hours. But the 1990 miniseries managed to convey the tone of the story and its most important themes of friendship and battling your demons. Whether you think that it's a great adaptation or a campy dud, the miniseries played a huge role in introducing young audiences to Stephen King, generating a new group of horror lovers in the 90s. It also highlighted Tim Curry's impeccable talent as the darkly funny, yet horrifying Pennywise. So if you're looking for some gateway horror and you're not quite brave enough to read the novel, give this it a chance. And to be safe, stay away from the sewers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good good advice for good everybody. Advice. I think. Like, I, I, I don't want to be hanging around yeah. any sewers. Oh, yeah, we, don't, we don't need to be yeah. tempted fate, you know, yeah. just in case. Just no, in case. for exactly. sure. Yeah. Exactly. And with that, that's another case closed. There we All go. Right. We'd like to thank our patrons John, Jacob, JD, Anthony, Shelly. And Bob. Yay! Woo! Thank you so much. You are awesome. You are the wind beneath <laughs> my wings. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, you are the world. <laughs> I you mean, are the patrons. Hey, there you go. You are the ones who make, make a brighter day. <laughs> Damn it. Just by giving. All right, you guys. Let, let, us, right. let us out of this. We need to go. Yes. All right. See you later. Bye. 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 Bill. It's back.